good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, folks. Welcome to Karate Without Belts. I'm John, and joined by internet darling, Mike Music Kami. <laughs> That's a new title. <laughs> <laughs> nice to be back. Thank you. <laughs> um, I was thinking about it and going back on it. I was like, yeah, you were on last year around yeah. this time. Oh, was it? Has it been a year already? Almost. I think maybe it was like early ish February. Shoot. <laughs> I haven't realized it, but it was so long. Right. Well, because, you know, recent times and all that. Well, we don't need to talk about any of that <laughs> because we're just going to chill and talk about Karate Kid 2. Mm-hmm. Now, I have harassed Micah to come on and talk about this. Uh, a bit too much and i first apologize uh, and i'm sorry it took, it took me so long to <laughs> to get around to talking with you about it well and and i think it we, we kind of hit the nail on the head with the whole cobra kai thing um so i think timing wise i think it's fine mm-hmm. can we play one on you and and say what what movie you initially watched <laughs> so i i thought it was on netflix and the only karate kid that was on Netflix was the next Karate Kid. So I figured like it's it's next, it's his next in it. So it must be the second one. And then I watched most of it. <laughs> like they're not going to Okinawa. Like, <laughs> what is this? Uh, How much of so it did I you watch? To, I watched like three quarters of it. <laughs> I was just waiting for them to to take a plane to Okinawa and it never happened. So, so you really didn't ever watch Karate Kid before this? <laughs> no, I, I did, but it's just been so long. It's been probably so flip, flip the genders of, of the main character. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I like, I, I remembered nothing from the second movie. What, how long ago would you say you initially watched those two films? Like, I, were, I were they like in the background when you were a kid or? yeah like 20 plus years ago probably is the last time I watched it I want to say yeah I I watched the first one when I was like just started karate and my mom had got it for me and was like you know you started karate this is a movie and I was like hey it's a pretty good movie didn't know there was a second one or a third one or a fourth one until I was in college oh and back in the day when like everyone could dump things on YouTube and nobody gave a crap, I like watched the whole thing um, in like one night. I watched all three. Um, I would watch them whenever they played on TV. And okay. So, so I, I think I saw the first three on TV. I cable. That was a long time ago. Oh, that's why. <laughs> yeah, I saw them on cable TV. Yeah, everyone thinks that cable was for the TV shows and it was for the movies. Yeah, and I it never it never really aired on network television. Mm-hmm. They aired a lot of Rocky, they aired a lot of violence, but they never aired this. Well, I wanted to ask you, and because I, I when I initially pitched this to you, I looked at this and it was like false ethnography. That's right. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know if that was right or not to even think about it because I hadn't seen it in a while. And I, I just remember parts of it, and then I was like, ah, that's kind of hokey, and maybe that's wrong. I don't know. And I guess looking at the film overall, what's your, I guess we can go with like overall impressions of starting with that question. Is Karate Kid 2 a false ethnography? Yeah, I think that's a interesting term. I don't, I don't know how to address that term just yet, but I think it's 
it's a good starting place because watching Karate Kid 2, like I said, 20 something years later, it it did seem like um, <laughs> like a hodgepodge of different Japanese elements thrown together in Hawaii um, <laughs> as as like the setting and <laughs> like watching it as an adult was just this goodbye. Like <laughs> this wouldn't be okay. Well, I would say the answer to your question of how did this get by was the 80s. Yep. But let's unpack some of that because you, you, you hit it quite right on the head. What did you think, what stood out to you the most as what's the, what, what why is they make, why are they making this, what's going on? <laughs> um, I guess at first when they arrive in Okinawa, the setting I was like is this really Okinawa and then I saw like the mountains in the background and those are like if you're from Hawaii or have ever like visited Hawaii they're very recognizably the mountains on Oahu um and like even the some of the islands in the background I was like I was I was just there the other weekend (laughs) like this is clearly not Okinawa and Okinawa doesn't have mountains like this either like if you if you've been to Okinawa too um so that that was one thing that that really stood out like you just can't choose a tropical place and say it's it's Okinawa so the excuse apparently for doing that I'm not sure if there was like Hollywood tax reasons or something like that but the excuse for doing that was like there's American military bases there right now. It, it doesn't look anything like that. When in the movie, they literally say, oh, this is an American military base here. The village isn't here anymore. Yep. You literally wrote it into the script. <laughs> and I, we'll, we'll, I guess we can break down the plot, but it's, I, it's one of my favorite parts of the movie where it's just like they, they pulled like just a, people off of set of a different movie and be like, Sarge, where's Tommy Village? He's standing on a corporal. I, 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 <laughs> I, lo- I just love that part because it's just like, oh yeah, this is what these guys know how to do. They're really putting it on, trying to trying their best, like they're blind men in a room trying to figure out what this culture is. But the moment they like set, step onto like, like white dude Americans who are screaming in the military, oh, they know exactly what to do. <laughs> so we can start by breaking down uh, the plot. So it starts uh, last time on Karate Kid. Uh, they had the whole tournament. That This movie seems to do a pretty good recap of the first one. Mm-hmm. I don't know, know if how well you remember that one. It, it follows in suit with the Rocky movies where they have to do a recap of the last movie get you up so what did you think of the opening scene where they just reviewed the the first movie yeah but like when they like come out of the tournament and uh, oh the the nose thing yeah (laughs) i didn't realize that's how they would begin and end the movie (laughs) great foreshadowing yes it's also it's the defeat of both of both signature villains of the franchise by just going Mark. Yep. I apparently this was supposed to be filmed. There was a in the script there was supposed to be like a, there was some change apparently there was supposed to be a Webster Miyagi and it was supposed to be more like that was Sato and he had come to America to seek revenge or something. Oh. Yeah, and so this was apparently that 
elements of that were still there. And that's why it was still set in the States. That's why it didn't just start six months later. So, but it, it, it goes with this theme of forgiveness, which I think, do you feel this is something of an insert as a plot or do you feel this is a theme they're trying to carry on from lessons learned from culture? It does seem like it's a overarching theme of the movies, but I don't know if you can say it's from culture necessarily. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it might be. Um, I, I guess because I watched The Next Karate Kid, which is what, the fourth movie or something? <laughs> <laughs> and they go to a Buddhist monastery instead of Okinawa. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe like elements which, from which like is food. which is just walking more into the room blindly of just like I we know about Asian culture <laughs> which is the is kind of even worse but to back into that because there's the other themes of shame revenge uh, and this big thing here is honor honor gets brought up a lot mm-hmm. and I felt that's like kind of samurai stuff yeah. <laughs> yes <laughs> it seems that way to me as well and and i was was wondering what did you think did you think that was uh, you have a lot better interaction with with the the with culture of this culture than i do i well i'll just i'll just break this break this capsule open all of the english that is supposed to supposedly japanese but in english like when all of the japanese supposedly Okinawan Japanese speakers are speaking English yeah. when they talk about honor and revenge and all this other stuff. Do you feel this is a conversation real Okinawans would have with each other? <laughs> I don't like a lot of those conversations that were like, would, would these really happen if they were being spoken in Japanese or in Okinawa and Chinaguchi? Yeah. I don't know. And what, were, what did you mention? Honor and in like Like revenge and shame and and shame i think shame is uh i think shame is is pretty powerful especially in in like culturally Mm. and that's kind of appropriate i don't know about revenge though that that seemed like a very like made for the movie type of of thing to make a good villain honor i mean especially like i guess maybe the 80s were different because People were still coming off post-war, but uh, honor, I'm a little head scratchy on that one entirely. Yeah, honor seems more like you said, like samurai or even Chinese, like Mulan. Yeah, or what is it? I I think it's like face, I think is probably a better term for this. But just a Japanese person saying like, you dishonored me and I will kill you if you dishonor me again. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean that, again, maybe feudal Japan. I, I don't know about Okinawa. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and I, I, I really don't feel like this would be the conversation they would be having. Um, even Miyagi's premise. Let's go to that because What's Miyagi's premise? He tells Daniel why he came to the States is to why he left Okinawa because he was going against a prearranged marriage. Yeah. Prearranged marriage in Okinawa. Maybe a thing? Yeah, I don't I don't know. Possibly. Um, 
it it feels very like I know there's Miai. Yeah. But that's completely different. Mm. And I don't know, in the twenties did they do that a lot? And or in the thirties or forties. As they, they they screw around with the time a little because Miyagi says, uh 1927 i learned how to fish with my dad it's 1985 do the do the math it's a yeah. so it's, cobra kai kind of um they showed it when he was born 1925 so that means he was two when he went out on <laughs> learning to fish, to fish. <laughs> so i guess we're closing the plot hole of like miyagi being 80 in 1980s by doing that but at the same time it's like eh, do you feel that's even natural i mean thinking about like the immigrants to Hawaii who came in the early 1900s, even late 1800s, I think there was a lot of that kind of thing, like arranged marriage or like picture brides. I guess that's in a sense arranged, but definitely a lot more input from your elders, like your parents, grandparents, in finding a partner. So this idea of marrying for love and and even his conversations with Yukie, like, and all of the, the lovey language they used together, I, I was like, this does not seem very Asian <laughs> to me. And like, no. like saying like, I love you and stuff like that. Um, yeah, and, and I mean, they had, all right, we'll, we're, we're gonna charge our way through this. We're gonna charge our way through this. <laughs> <laughs> One one thing that that stuck out to me though is that uh, there was a lot of like kimono culture, like in yeah. the background. Like when they get off the airport, they're like in Okinawa. There's just a bunch of women running around in kimonos, and at the same time, you have a bunch of like 1980s businessmen. Yeah, mm-hmm. and just feels like they just that's one of the biggest things. Where it's like, oh yeah, kimono, that's Japanese, and ergo Okinawan. And what do you think is a? I I feel like the uh, like a lot of the bingata could have been put in there's there's a lot of things where they could have put put stuff in there that they didn't yeah um and then i i guess this kind of jumps to the cobra kai episodes but i i watched those two to just see how how okinawa was represented mm. and then i noticed like bingata in the background mm-hmm. in cobra kai so i was like that's a really nice addition um and watching Karate Kid 2, like you said, they're all in kimono. And during that final scene at the bone dance, like yeah. that that is a very Japanese thing. That is not Okinawan. Like in Okinawa, Obon is Asa. Yeah. <laughs> not not dancing in a circle. Like that that is very Japanese kind of thing. And then they're all in kimono. And if it's in Okinawa in the middle of summer, why are they all in kimono? And even in that scene, like in the background, you see uh, shamisen players. Yes. Not banshin players, but shamisen players. I'm like, this is so off. <laughs> so, let, so let's break this down for our audience that may not know what these di- the differences between these things are. <laughs> what is it? Sanshin, what is a shamisen? So both are three string instruments. Kind of like a banjo, I guess. But yeah, like a Japanese banjo or Okinawan banjo. And it, it, so the, wait, I keep mixing them up. Uh, shamisen, so the shamisen is the Japanese instrument. And it's 
it's it's it has a very long neck right um and it came into japan through okinawa and that's why it changed uh whereas in okinawa it's called the sanshin which literally translates to three strings and in okinawa it's shorter and the the strings are different the sound is different the way you play it is different and this instrument originally came from china so from china to okinawa to japan and in each place it's a little bit different right. so yeah they have the same origin but it's become very different instruments and very different styles of playing and they and when even within the island Ryukyu islands there's yeah. di- there's a difference um, yes his two kids we're very proud of right now and have demonstrated <laughs> for us yep um that's a different conversation for a different yes. time <laughs> but uh yeah the, the i i but there is sanshin here in this movie the old dude so when they first get to tell we kind of jump it around the movie so yeah. um that's fine uh if you haven't seen this movie karate kid 2 that's 35 years old um sorry spoilers i guess but the the, the when they're walking but and i i guess i hold up try to point at ask you about because i feel this is wrong but i don't have the linguistic skills to to, <laughs> to prove it this that's not right. Yeah, I don't. I don't think it is. And then they co- They cut over to the other, the other side, and that's definitely not right. <laughs> that, that, yeah, that one, Mister Miyagi was definitely joking around with the rules. Yes, <laughs> and because the kanji is right, but everything's the placement of it's wrong. Mm-hmm. So, oh, what are we talking about? Sorry, I guess we got to get back into the podcast. Um, but we'll just let this play in the background. So, when they're talking about, they're saying that what's the rule number one? Karate is for self-defense. Uh, rule number two is remember rule number one. Uh, it's a call to karate ni sentai nashi ni sentai nashi. Basically, saying uh, there's no first attack in karate, but the there's no kana there it's just kanji so i guess it makes it look cooler but it doesn't really work i guess i mean is it is it boom a phrase i because you just said what it was is is that a a phrase in karate yes it's a it's a well-known phrase it it was written in four kanji right right hold on let me go there sanjin let me go back to that. Yeah, it's four kanji. Th- those are called um, yoji jukugo, I think right. is the term. So so it is okay to have kanji phrases like that written in four Chinese characters. Um, and they do have meaning on their own like that. But the way Mr. Miyagi explained it is is not <laughs> like as it was written. So but it doesn't need to be necessarily linguistically correct. It doesn't have to have like hiragana or whatever in it. Because um, okay. they do have those kinds of phrases in Japanese that are kind of common. I don't know, if, not necessarily common knowledge, but they're kind of like expressions. Like no, they're known as being for con for character expressions. Okay. Yeah. And, but when you have the because they're trying to stick Nisente Nash here, 
I don't know if you can see my mouse point, but uh, in the, but the, I, I can see from the county what they're trying to say, but mm-hmm. it, I don't want to be like, well, they're, they got it wrong. I don't, they probably got it right, but it, it, how you're right. The way he's explaining it, it's, it's jokey because it's Pat Morita and Pat Morita is an American treasure <laughs> and we got to let him, we got to let him ref, got to let him joke. So um, I guess it works. But uh, anyway, yeah, there's sunshine in here. <laughs> <laughs> I must have missed that. I didn't. Yeah. Yeah, but it's but it. it is brief. It is too. It is way too brief, and they they missed it. And they missed that part of it entirely. Okay, so I guess we can plot on from that. So uh, you want to talk about Asato and how, how do you feel about his character and how Ch- him and Chosen are kind of rep- do you feel the representative of the time? I it's really hard to say like I don't know it just seemed like they were portraying these Okinawan dudes as being like gangsters and like bad kids (laughs) well and Sato uh, a funny note is Sato actually has three businesses Sato has a karate business Sato has his I guess lumber business whatever and he also has an escort service I didn't realize there was a third one. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's it's just hidden there on the sign when they come into the airport. Sato escorts. Oh. So this guy's oh, in charge I of a snack bar. <laughs> of course he would be, um, because I, why wouldn't he? Do you feel yeah. the, the whole part? I mean, oh no, the the whole him like them going into the village and then like fucking up their crops. And then he comes back and like just plows over their crops. And apparently this one village only has like 12 square inches where they plant food apparently um but like do you feel like that and then like the whole they cheated them out of money because they screwed around with the scales you feel there's any credence for that i this would have been in occupied okinawa right i don't that well this would 1880 sorry 1985 so we're still I mean, so technically still half. occupied. Yeah. So we're 12, 13 years after reunification. Yeah. But it's still the 80s. I mean, so. still very poor. I don't, I mean, sure, if he, you're a greedy businessman, then I, anything's possible. <laughs> um, I, yeah, I don't know if, stuff like that actually happened or not though i feel like they're trying to kind of characterize two things maybe it's like the 1980s business guy really just greed 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 almost yakuza like and yakuza from uh chosen's perspective yeah where he can just like go around beat the crap out of you and then force you into the some ice challenge uh (laughs) Apparently, you're gonna. Apparently, back in 1985, six hundred dollars can pay for your college tuition. Because hmm. that was the bet, right? Yeah, we're jumping all was. over the movie. Do you feel when Miyagi's father dies, when they have the funeral scene, they light the lan- lanterns and they send them on into the river? Isn't the lantern lighting normally to bring sp- to call spirits back, not to especially for? I've Okinawan never funeral. I've never seen that done at a 
funeral. It's usually around like Obon where you would do something like that. So I like I, I said before, it's like a hodgepodge of different elements of Japanese culture. And that, that seems like one of those things that they stuck in because it's it's Japanese and it it makes a pretty scene to look at. Right. <laughs> I don't know if it's it's the most authentic in terms of when and why it occurred though. Well for a few And I'm not sure if Okinawa does that for yeah. their funerals. Yeah. Well so not even for a funeral and not even Okinawa. Yeah. What did you think of the uh, map painting for uh, what I guess is not Shuri Castle? <laughs> or I guess this is a mix of Shuri Castle and Katsuran or one of the other castles that has actually has like stone structures still intact? Because that's that not, not a real place. That's a set. That was a map painting and a set. I saw that. I was like, what? What <laughs> is this castle? <laughs> oh my god. That was terrible <laughs> it's also like um kind of looks like a roman coliseum kind of yeah <laughs> yeah but the the yeah. they did name check shohashi yes they did mm-hmm. so it this this movie keeps on doing this thing where it's, it's it gets one right and then one wrong <laughs> yeah <laughs> a little keep on going back and forth on that what did you think of the scene where they do you feel that Hawaii was the best place they could have put it though if they weren't going to go to Okinawa I I think so they definitely got the the tropical vibe and I'm sure a lot of those actors were from Hawaii uh because of the Asian population uh so in terms of like finding actors and and kind of authentic background scenes then then yes Hawaii was probably the, the best place to do that did you feel that the rep what did you feel were the better parts of the representation in this movie um wait I'm looking through my notes <laughs> I was taking notes and I watched it the better parts of representation or what, what do you felt felt better uh stuck out or better stuck out in terms of like well, they got that wrong, but they got this right. Or they, you know, like the example being like, yeah, Shohashi, that, that's not his castle. But they, they did name check Shohashi in a major Hollywood mm-hmm. film. So Daniel, Daniel San's history book is a major, is still a major <laughs> like Okinawan history book. I've read that book. Okay. I've never seen that edition because that, that's a really old edition probably one of the first editions that mike um, is like 30 years younger than me so i you know <laughs> i don't know there was there's a lot that i was like what what is going on here i think the fact that they had a typhoon was in summer is appropriate just the typhoon coming out of nowhere was <laughs> kind of they missed that okay you want to talk about the th- the lead up and that scene what was the lead up Oh, there was uh, the tea, the tea ceremony with Kimiko and Daniel. Yeah. And then, is the tea ceremony supposed to be romantic? No, I don't. I've never heard that before. Or even private? 
Because it happens twice in the movie. It does. It happens, yeah. Is it supposed to be like between lovers? If it is, that's the first I've ever heard of it. I really don't think it is, though. I've never heard that before. And I was like, what is this when I was watching it? Plus, that that seems like a very... That's not like tea ceremony with matcha. It's not even Okinawan. <laughs> so, <Eesh>. what? <laughs> but it was a nice sentiment, I guess. Yeah. They tried. Those Japanese aesthetics... <laughs> Yeah, and then they, so in that scene, like you see out the window, right in the background, that is mm-hmm. very clearly Hawaii. <laughs> and then they kiss, and then what? The the wind blows out the candle or something, and she's like, "Oh, this is a bad omen" or something. And then the storm comes. She has, up. She has typhoon sense. Yep. <laughs> and then suddenly everyone's running, running away like they're evacuating the village because it, it the bell is ringing. Yeah. <laughs> And it's be and it's a little girl who is responsible for warning the entire village that there's a typhoon coming, and they all evacuate without taking her with them. Typhoon. That's my like, favorite part of the movie. Because there wouldn't be like five Obajans being like, "Get down from her!" Right. And they just leave her up there. They, they they really do. <laughs> but I, this constitutes one of two plot holes in the movie, um, because the, I guess the other lead up is that like Miyagi is gonna fight Sato and he knows he's gonna fight Sato and Sato's gonna come like they're gonna fight. Mm-hmm. So he like gives his will to Daniel in this weird scroll, and he has like a kimono on for some reason, and then Daniel's like, "Well, I'm gonna go on a date with Kumiko." <laughs> And they have the tea ceremony, and then the typhoon comes. They leave a little girl up there, and then everyone runs into the the. I, do you feel these are good representations of Okinawan houses? I, I don't know what they would have been like at yeah. the time. I yeah, I have no idea. <laughs> but then it's like Sato apparently was in one of these houses that falls on him. Yep. Isn't he like boss man? Wouldn't he have like like a five-story building in Naha or something to be saying. <laughs> he owns all the land, right? <laughs> he owns all the land. Like, like, what the hell is he doing, doing there? <laughs> in, like, the flimsiest, like, one of the only houses that fell. <laughs> and we saw in a scene earlier, he had, like, a mansion by the sea and, like, a manservant. So many questions. <laughs> well, anyway, and so that goes to the... Do you feel it's it's a little white savior for Daniel to being like, I'll climb up there and get you. Hold on. I'm a student of karate. Therefore, I can climb oh. this thing during the typhoon. <laughs> I didn't think of it as white savior, um, but I guess it could be. It's like, why, movies... why did no one else help her? <laughs> so Yeah. yeah sure. Everyone like running back and forth into the house as if that house was the sturdiest thing the whole village had. Do you think Chosen's uh, attitude, a lot of people make the 1980s, Japanese kids in the 1980s out to be like the wild generation. Do you feel that would have been a pr- the appropriate attitude at that time? Or just like a young guy? Chosen. Yeah, oh. Chosen's like, I'm the greatest, I'm the best. Da, 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 da. I'm going to kill you. I'm going to steal your money. 
I'm gonna run around Naha like Yakuza. It does like like fashion wise and stuff, it I think they got that pretty pretty spot on, but I don't like he's a it's like he's basically the mob boss's son. So like <laughs> I, I would think like if you looked at a other Yakuza groups, they would have acted that way. We, I think we're probably 20 years out from everybody dressing up in a suit and standing outside a family mart. So, okay, so that's the, that, that, that's the one scene. And then I guess this this was like Sato's like, uh, so Sato goes from being like stereotypical 1980s angry businessman wanting revenge. He gets saved by Miyagi because Miyagi manages to do the ha against the tree because I guess he was attacked by a tree. So we have that that full circle, and then uh, he go- becomes Scrooge. Apparently, like he's Okinawa and Scrooge. He goes from being like that guy to like cool uncle because he has the little like gangster handshake with Daniel when they're like, "I'm going to rebuild. I'm here to help. <laughs> you have to come dance with us if we have Obon there forever." Yeah, <laughs> the whole village just goes yay, and it just it just feels like they're inserting stuff that they want to happen, but just would never happen, I feel. Yeah, that that was the feeling I got too. <laughs> Is there anything... as many things to make it seem like and that you can. What did you think of the ending scene? The, the ending fight or like the ending yeah. bone dance? So the, there's the bone dance and then there's the supposed like fan dance she's gonna do. And then Chosen swings in like Batman. And the whole setup there, just what did you think of that? Because uh, we yeah. talked a little bit about how Bone doesn't work like that in Okinawa at yeah. all. And why they're having it in Roman Coliseum, not Shuri Joe. And that and- dance that she's doing doesn't seem like Ryukyu Oldori. I know there's fan dances in Ryukyu Buyo, which is the traditional dance, or like the really slow one. Right. Uh, but that's not what she's doing. <laughs> and the like in the middle, like there's the two. Are they Shisa or are they like? I don't know. Tra- I guess that's <laughs> if they're, they're Shisa or not. It's an approximation. Yeah, it's close, but I don't I don't know if, if it's right. And yeah, like the music was off. I think oh, one thing that they did get right for the music was when she was teaching Daniel the dance and she was humming uh, she was humming an Okinawan right. song. I don't remember what it was off the top of my head. But I got you. Was, it's yeah. uh uh see Tinsuga Nuhana. Oh yeah, tin tin sagu no han, tin sagu no han. Yeah, because tin tin because that's that's weird romanji. Yeah, right. So um, she's humming that, and she's and when when she's teaching the kids, like it seems like that seems pretty authentic. Yeah, that was like that. That was good choice of Okinawan song, but then. Fast forward to the bone dance. Where's that song? <laughs> I don't yeah. know. And then, uh, what is it? 
I do, I guess one, one point I can, I can kind of somewhat identify with Daniel is talking to a girl, a Japanese girl in a, a uh, rural island and having a bunch of kids coming up and laughing at you. I can identify with that. <laughs> did, did you like how he kept on trying to do, do colloquialisms and she not get it? It's like, hey, we can take it on the road. What do you mean we're on the road? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Although I'm not sure what 17-year-old makes a euthanism of free agent for are you single? Right. Free agent. <laughs> free agent. What? And this comes back and we'll get to the Cobra Kai part. What do you think of the uh, chosen fight? Did you feel like that, like the whole the whole village just basically stating like, uh, I, I will, I've lost my, I've lost my honor because of you. And I have to prove it to the whole village by threatening to kill this girl with a knife and then beating and then trying to kill you. I, I don't think that would get his honor back, to be honest. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. And again, this, this whole honor plot kind of seems like the typical Asian kind of martial arts story plot, like this idea of honor and, and getting it back. Yeah, yeah. I, I guess if we go back to face and like something that's actually a thing in, in a lot of these cultures um, and comes out in different ways, how in any way is killing an innocent woman or killing a, killing a dude who, he didn't even kick his ass. Like he just happened to save his uncle and then he ran away from saving a little screaming girl. Yep. <laughs> like, like that is not how you get redemption. <laughs> Threatening yeah. an unarmed dancer and then Daniel Son, who's like the guest of the village. Like, <laughs> what was he thinking? Yeah. Well, what's what's funny is uh, I do like how Daniel is like, I don't want to do this, but then the Miyagi's like, this is for real. And uh uh, this is the weird setup of it. And then, all right, toss the bridge, man. Let her go. Let's her go. And this is why Kumiko, this is why this, I think this is re, the re, uh, the Empire Strikes Back of Karate Kid. Because it's the second one. It's the best one because you get this, uh, it's, it's kind of less sad than Empire Strikes Back, but it, it's much better in terms of the first one. Al, like Ali, his girlfriend then, nearly didn't do anything. She's just like, oh, I'm the blonde girl. All the boys fight over uh in in this one she's like you fucking came after me with a knife i'm gonna choke you and like she actually like helps daniel in the fight (laughs) tries to kill him tries to kill him yeah did you notice in the end how both of both daniel and her have opposite eye injuries i did not notice that so she has like a she has like a scar on her she got like a bruise on her left eye and then he, he like has a bunch of blood dripping down his right eye i thought that was good visual parallel but um, I noticed over, they both had injuries. I didn't realize they were on opposite eyes, though. Yeah, it, it's something you, uh, after looking at it a couple times, you, you catch. I've just been watching parts on repeat for the last two days, um, trying to catch stuff. But uh, I guess the only other thing I've got is like, what did you think of it on the whole, I guess, after going through some of those details? Um, do you think if there's a way to redeem this? on its own and then we'll get to Cobra Kai how would how would we spin this to anybody who watches this now 
That's a great question. That is a very difficult one. I, I think like as a child, when I watched this, I like, I didn't catch a lot of these things. And like, I didn't even realize it was filmed in Hawaii since I'm not from the island of Oahu. So like the scenery wasn't even recognizable to me. So like little kid me thought like, sure, this is Okinawa, but adult me, like having been to Okinawa, having been, like living on Oahu now, I'm like, there's so much that is wrong with this movie. But I don't, it's such like a, a cultural treasure. Like, I don't <laughs> I, so I don't know like how to reconcile those things. Like I don't. There's no way this movie would have been made today. Like definitely not. But it it does have a role in our popular culture, and I think it should be respected <laughs> in that sense. Right. And right. I I really think that Cobra Kai is fixing some of those issues. Um, if right. That's a good takeaway point right so i mean if so do you feel those two because i know i i, I kind of rewatch those episodes i'm like damn it micah if micah hasn't watched any cobra kai he's gonna see a lot of like plot elements that he's I'm just, <laughs> what did you think the plot elements that didn't have, had nothing to do with with okinawa did you did that, did that make sense to you the like the, everything else that wasn't him daniel that going wasn't to, in okinawa yeah Oh, I had no idea what was going on. Yeah, because because I was watching those two episodes and was like, oh, if you, well, I guess Micah has to watch the first two seasons of Cobra Kai <laughs> and then up to this point to understand anything that's going on. So I guess we, because we're going to do a Cobra Kai discussion uh, later, but um, I guess I wanted to get to this movie first, but I guess to the Doyona is a, the invert universe stand-in for uh, Toyota, clearly. Yeah. yeah. And did you understand why he was in Japan? I kind of, like, I watched the first episode of the first season to kind of get, like, an overview of what what the show is kind of about and who the characters are. Um, so I figured he was in Japan for a, some kind of partnership or a deal with, with his car. So it, I should have told it. you to probably prefix it with just watching episode three okay. because it explained damn it because it ex- <laughs> now we have to re-record the podcast no um because it basically explains that his rival had done some backroom deal which in reality makes no sense because there's no way like they're just like local dealerships they're not because he's a car dealer yeah. and they, they basically stole Toyota or toyota away from him and basically mm-hmm. they they blocked them from getting toyotas which I guess meant like his business would fail, but it, that was his excuse for going, to, the excuse to get him to go to Japan. And that's why he met, that's why they said this is already in process, which is very Japanese. I was like, nope, we can't do anything. We already started this. <laughs> but okay, so aside from, but I, you don't really need to know any of the other plot elements. Like that's just a bunch of just disparate stuff that has nothing to do with it. Did you feel that, how do you feel about the representation now in Cobra Kai? I, I think, what is her name? Tamalin. Tamalin Tomita. Yeah, I, I really think that uh, Tamalin Tomita really did her homework and re- really tried to kind of make it a lot more authentic. I Like when Daniel is watching her dancing with her students, 
and she's thanking the audience. First she says arigato, and then she says nife debiru, which is Okinawan for thank you. And then when she notices Daniel, she says um, akisamio, I think, mm. which is also like the, I'm pretty sure it's the, the expression of like surprise or shock in Okinawa. Oh, he says, oh, Yeah, yeah, kind of like bikurista. Um, which so means in like, Japanese, oh, wow. surpri- I'm surprised. Yeah. In English, it doesn't um, make a lot, of, it doesn't make a lot of sense. For, for our viewers who don't speak <laughs> that, um, it doesn't make a lot of sense. But in Japanese, people will say that just when they're surprised. But in English, yeah. we don't just go around saying, I'm surprised. But I thought that was like a authentic use of the language. Some other parts seem kind of forced um, in, in like trying to incorporate Uchinaguchi, but it wasn't like too much I, I think it was the right amount and one there was one line um that i really enjoyed i think this was um when chosen and daniel were talking and then i think chosen is ex- explaining that um the miyagi ancestors fought off japanese invaders and i was like oh <laughs> that yes <laughs> i i'm glad they include that bit of history there but yeah, there was like so so many other like elements of Uchinaguchi, like when they're in the bar and Daniel's is come by Kimiko says Hari. I don't know how like if they say that like <laughs> all the time, but maybe um, it fits with the character of Daniel visiting Okinawa and kind of the commodification of Okinawa as a travel destination. <laughs> Well, and and that and and I want to say uh, Okinawa gentrification is a thing. That yeah. there that there is this, it, and it, it does actually a very good job of because we we do actually get an inside look at. No, notice we just get an inside look at like Naha Airport, and yep. we get a look at the taxis and like the roads around there. I'm pretty sure everything else is a set. Yeah, I don't know if the mountain they're on in. When when Chosen says a goodbye to him is in Okinawa, or wh- where they are in the mountains, like I th- that looks pretty authentic to me. I have no idea where that is though. Um, yeah, I don't know. It does look authentic though with all the sotetsu. I yeah. don't know what that is in in English. That pine Plants. kind of look. Yeah. It, it so I think they did go and film some of it there, but some a lot yeah. like where they where they're. Uh, on the to- like Tomi Village Green or whatever, uh, that's a stand-in for. What, what did you feel that was a stand-in for? There's a lot of malls like that in Okinawa, though. Yeah. So. What is it? Uh, Ashibina uh, outlets. Yeah, that's one of them. Yeah. Where yeah. we were, where we went. I'm actually wearing the shirt. We when we went, <laughs> I'm actually wearing the shirt from. When we got that. Um, and what is it? American Village. I think probably might American be a little Village more accurate. Yeah, but I think it's a visual representation of yeah where it was. She says hi, Sai, when she's greeting him, mm. which I thought was a really cool. She, she's just speaking Uchinoguchi left and right, yeah. um, which she wasn't doing in the movie. Mm-hmm. But then we didn't have any of that in the movie, but I think that that kind of redeems it. Yeah. Unfortunately, like Chosen is like, how they're writing Chosen, he's kind of like reverse Yoda. <laughs> He's like all strict and serious and just as a play. And then he like just goes, ah, ha, 
I, that's fine now. Everything's fine. He's the one guy in Okinawa who won't do day drinking. Yep. <laughs> I don't drink. <laughs> I don't drink. Says what Okinawan guy? <laughs> There's Okinawan guys who don't drink, but I mean, uh, dress like that. What, what, what are they doing? I don't know. What is this mall drinking during the day that Kumiko's doing with Dan? And then she's running errands after. So I feel that's kind of, <laughs> that's where they, that's, that's where this runs into, okay, you, you don't know how life works. <laughs> what did you think of her letter reading? Because she does re- end up reading some I, of me, like, me. The letters too. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I don't remember the contents of those letters, but I, I remember there were, there was Uchinaguchi in those letters too that she was reading. Um, like when Mr. Miyagi is writing to Yukie, he calls her my, my something like Wanu and then I didn't catch mm-hmm. it and something Gua, which is child. Um, uh, so that was something. And then the other one was the term for grandfather, Tanme. Mm-hmm. So I, yeah, I, I caught on to that. I don't remember the, the contents though. Well, I, it was, I think the, probably the best, uh, best way for them to script wise have Miyagi say goodbye to the audience mm. because there isn't I don't think there was any way for them to do that other than yeah. going that way which I think was kind of beautiful um I think Daniel's fear because Daniel this touches on something that uh, practically everybody who looks like me who did, did karate has this fear of is that you're a foreigner you can't learn the real art mm. And that, and that comes up when Daniel is talking to Chosen, right? Chosen is like you're a foreigner. Yeah, and he's like, Miyagi didn't show you everything. And this is in this is real. This is a real thing that uh, people both fear and supposedly has happened. Mm-hmm. I'm not gonna get too much into that, but here, but uh no, that's a that's a real thing. But the fact he this is also a thing where people talk about scrolls people have of secret techniques and i was like you're doing this but it's okay because chosen i think they they close the loop on for because daniel just says to him i forgive you mm-hmm. which closes that forgiveness loop mm-hmm. so did you like chosen's uh man purse at the end <laughs> it's very very japanese thing yes yeah so we got that we got that at least so so overall micah i guess kind of to to maybe tie this off a little what did you think about this experience and looking at this and maybe maybe kind of seeing how okinawan cultures attempted to be portrayed in the in in these pieces of significant pieces of cultural artifice and continued production because Cobra Kai is not stopping um what did you think did you think this is a decent representation it's just kind of is what it is do you think it gets out of what happened in the 80s or do you feel that uh there can be more the ship can be better righted as it were I it seemed to me like a a major improvement (laughs) um and I I do think it's good how they represented it seemed pretty authentic i've only watched what three episodes of cobra kai but i would be interested in watching it and i would like to see more of okinawa in it um because there's not many representations of okinawa in 
American TV. Yeah. And I, I think this is a, a really, something that's really special about this is that like with the writing now, they are trying to be more culturally appropriate to Okinawa, like including the bingate, including a lot of Uchinaguchi and, and also like this tourism kind of shift in the economy as well. And kind of ad- addressing that in a not so not really a direct way but but it's present with the mall um so i think there's a lot that can be unpacked in future seasons if they choose to go back to okinawa for whatever reason um would you yeah, be interested I, in a chosen spinoff series i th- i think i would watch that <laughs> damn straight because yeah. I like how in that LA Times article, she brings that up and she's like, I want a Miyagi-Do series. Like, we're just chosen. And you can just come up with like a bunch. You could just film it in Okinawa and you could do a lot. There's a lot that could be done with that. And even today, and you would just end up creating jobs there that you don't need Americans for and stuff. And even though I think um, Yuji Okamoto and Tamlin... Um, Tomita are American and they have to kind of put on these characters to seem foreign to Americans, which I think is the biggest problem and something I always, I always feel bad about because they're American. They're, they, they don't, that they're, they have to put on that, that cultural identity, but it's, also not part of that and i don't know as i guess right one more thing do, what did you think about that yeah like their accents <laughs> i was like what do you, mm. they, because they change from how she spoke in how they spoke in credit too isn't the same how they spoke in cobra yeah. kai but it, it's an evolution of i mean it's an age thing too right you don't sound the same when you're yeah. in your yeah. early teens as opposed to when you're in your 50s but did you feel like they got they they had to maybe sacrifice or not sacrifice but like give into a part of what hollywood demands of an actor like that an asian american actor like that to allow for representation to an audience that has a stereotypical view i i think that's definitely part of it cuz like especially some states like okinawa where a lot of people learn English, have exposure to English because of the heavy U.S. military presence, like they're not going to speak with or a lot of them don't speak with such a heavy accent. Some do, yes, but that that was a very stereotypical kind of characterization, I, I felt like. And not like you can have more fluent English than that and still be like from Japan or from Okinawa or wherever. Um, but yeah, I don't like, because like she is Japanese American and I guess he is too, like that they have to kind of, the reason why they have these roles and that they can play them is in part because they have to do this to the way they speak is, is kind of like, I I don't know, like off-putting to me. Um, but I, yeah, that's, that's what the perception is, right? Like you said, well, and, and this is based on the audience who it's for. Um, yeah. Because you have to think, 1985, who was the audience they were thinking of. And it yeah. wasn't... The Karate Kid 1, I think, did well in Japan. 
but they could kind of, because that wasn't focused on that culture, that was kind of, that was focused on um, him learning more, learning karate and learning about defending himself and Miyagi stepping in for him. Now it's, let's see all of Miyagi's culture. Mm -hmm. It'd be interesting to see what reviews of that would have been at that time in Japan. So digging that up, I think (laughs) next, I don't say next to impossible, probably a lot more difficult. Cool. Anything else you want to say and say about this? No, I think that that sums it up. I I think the Cobra Kai episodes are a major improvement, and I I'm just really happy to see this Okinawan representation on uh, TV, if you can call it TV, <laughs> in a, a more authentic kind of way, um, which is really nice. Yeah, me too. And I hope we, I hope this maybe inspires like Okinawan kids to be like, why can't we just make it, make a karate thing here? Yeah, definitely. Which I don't think has ever been properly done. I think it's probably been done, but we'll see. Well, Micah, thank you so much for coming back on. Um, I would ask what, how are I just in general, uh, how are things going where, where you're at in Hawaii? They're okay. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I was, I don't I was know post what. hole digging. I was what? Post hole digging. PhDing. Oh, it's coming along. <laughs> I get to teach my first class this summer. Awesome. Um, so I'm excited for that. Um, it's looking at language rights with pidgin, English, and Hawaiian in Hawaii, like how it's represented on signs in the community and in media and stuff. Um, and also like the history of like oppression and and stuff like that. So I'm pretty excited for that. Cool, cool. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm excited for you, man. That's awesome, awesome. Yeah. I think you could even say to a degree, there's something Karate Kid has some, not like with Pigeon English, but there is a way that is interpreted in those movies how english is kind of chopped up for those characters so was that you or was that yeah mm-hmm. oh that's me never mind <laughs> truck outside <laughs> it's the it's the yakuza they finally come on to me and my chosen my, my chosen uh... <laughs> sato sato, God, sato it's the sato whites <laughs> i mean what He's one island away, right? <laughs> From you. <laughs> I can't know that. Um, all right, cool, cool. Well, I think we'll wrap it up there. Micah, thank you so much for being on. And um, I hope this isn't the last time we see you on here. Yeah, thank you. This was fun. Yeah. Maybe we can take a crack at Karate Kid 3. and uh, Or maybe some, maybe sometime rewrite Karate Kid 2. <laughs> That'd It'd be, be nice to see a remake. But I don't know how you would do that without Pat. Recasting? Like, yeah, yeah. Or Pat Morita? Yeah. yeah. I mean, CGI, right? <laughs> That's Hollywood's answer to everything these days. Yeah. All right, folks. Well, thank you for listening, and don't forget to keep training.